Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. As humans, want the world to be simple and understandable. We like things to fit in very neat and tidy categories. My dad has a crawl space under their house, and he has all of the junk and things that we've accumulated through our lives, and it's an unbelievable amount of stuff, and yet everything is organized, right? It's in bins, and it's got labels. How many of you all are like that, that kind of personality? You're organized. You got things in certain places and labeled. Yeah, I am not. I'm the opposite of that. But we like our life to be like that. We like things to fit in neat, tidy categories. We like everything to be understandable. And we want the world to reflect the way that we see it. And yet, we often will have experiences that, if we're completely honest, don't fit into our categories. I had one of these experiences when I was a senior in high school, and you never know certain experiences that will just change the way you see the world, and yet this was one of those. Uh, one of my good friend's home had some unusual experiences, and there were these big wooden blinds in their house that began just moving up and down on their own. One on one side would move, and the other would move And then their lights began turning on and off, and there were these noises that started coming. And so they called people in, they called the pastors in from their church to pray over the house and just declare the authority of Jesus. And this had gone on for a few days, and yet when they did that, it completely stopped. Now, I didn't have a category for that. If I'm honest, there was nothing in my life to that time. I had kind of heard of some things like this, but I didn't actually think that anything like this could take place. And yet what happened is my neat and tidy categories were just destroyed. And there's an uncomfortableness to that. That there's something about when when something doesn't fit into the categories we have or the simplicity of how we see the world, uh, that that it's something that can cause fear, it's something that can cause worry or even anger and frustration. And this is the situation that we're going to see unfold in John chapter 12. There are people and groups of people who have certain categories. There's certain ways that they see the world and they like everything to fit according to the way that they see the world. And in the Jewish context, they see the Messiah, who's the anointed one, the promised king, as fitting certain expectations. They know who he will be, what he will be like, what he will come to do. And the problem that we see in, gospel, in the Gospel of John is that when Jesus, who is the Messiah, comes, he doesn't fit those categories. The expectations that they have for him and the expectations that they have for what he is going to do do not fit who Jesus actually is. And Jesus has fulfilled the prophecies. So we 
saw a couple weeks ago when Jesus rides into Jerusalem and they're waving palm branches and they're shouting Hosanna and they're laying their coats down, welcoming this one who is the king of Jerusalem, like the king of Israel. They're, they're celebrating him. And yet Jesus starts to say things that don't fit their categories. He starts to say things that don't fit their expectations of who they thought this king was going to be. He starts talking specifically about dying. And that does not fit who the Messiah they have expected is. And so they replied in verse 34, we've heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Their expectations are that the Messiah is going to be a political ruler who's going to come in and he's going to overthrow the enemies of Israel. He's going to reign in Jerusalem for how long? Forever, thank you. That's the scriptures that they have. And so when Jesus who they have come to believe through the miracles that he's done and the prophecies he's fulfilled is this Messiah. When he starts talking about dying, that does not fit their expectations of a Messiah who's going to reign forever. And this is where we have to see that, first of all, glory calls us to surrender our expectations. Now, the past few weeks, we've been talking about the word glory, which comes from the Hebrew kabod, and it means wait. There's there's something about uh, the, the glory of something, that's the weight that it carries, uh, the significance that it has, the, the, the glory of it. And that, that weight we're, we're going to see is tied to who Jesus is. Now, the glory, in order for them to see who Jesus is, hear this, the glory of their experience must be greater than their expectations, So in order for them to receive the light that Jesus has come to bring, the glory of their experience of Jesus must be greater than their expectations for him. They, once again, had expectations for who Jesus would be, for what it is that he would bring, and an enemy that he would overthrow. Who was the enemy at the time that they saw Jesus or expected their Messiah to overthrow? Rome, right? So this power of Rome and the political oppression that they were under. Jesus says when when he is the king, he rides into Jerusalem to establish his kingdom. He raises up and he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. What Jesus is doing is he's raising the focus beyond the political horizon to the spiritual reality. The ruler of this world that Jesus says he has come to cast out, according to scriptures and, and according to John, when we read that term, the ruler of this world or the prince of that world, who's it talking about? Satan, right? The, the prince of the world, the ruler of the world is Satan, this power that exerts his authority over the world. Jesus says in John 18, 36, so a few chapters later, that my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight 
so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. They were expecting his kingdom to be of this world, a political kingdom. And yet Jesus says, that's not my kingdom. I'm not a king that represents earthly political power. And the kingdom that I've come to establish is is not a kingdom of this world. Paul writes about this in Ephesians 6.12. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. What Paul is saying there is, is just what Jesus said. Jesus says, if my kingdom was of this world, what would my followers do? Right? We would fight with earthly means, with swords and spears and chariots. And yet, the kingdom that I'm coming to bring is not a kingdom that's of this world. It's a kingdom that is a spiritual kingdom. And I have come to overthrow the kingdom of darkness, the power of darkness, this satanic, demonic uh, kingdom that is oppressing and enslaving humanity. And this is where so often we, we have to allow our expectations to be overcome by the reality of who Jesus says he is. We are so focused, just like they were in this first century context, on this first tier line, the physical line, the political line. Uh, Yesterday, we were at flag football. Uh, My oldest son, Judson's team, is undefeated up to this point, and he's in fifth grade, and they were playing the other undefeated team. So this was kind of like the championship game. And the game was tense. It was 12 to 12 coming towards the end of the game. And there were some calls that were made by the ref that were controversial. And so parents and the coach began yelling and giving their perspective. Well, then a little while later, the coach made a different or the the ref made a different call that the other team disagreed with. And so then their fans and their coach were out. And I felt myself getting sucked into this. And there's a spirit that's to these things. You, have you ever been in a context where you are, you're literally being sucked into this division? The anger, you, you feel it rising within you. And so I was getting sucked into this. And literally, now I've been studying for the sermon and thinking about all these things. And I realized, man, I'm living in the wrong kingdom right here. Like, my battle is not against flesh and blood. I can't, my, my calling here is to battle against this and to represent Christ. So the glory of me representing Jesus in this environment has to be greater than the glory or the weight or the significance of what's happening on this, this football field. And this is something that regularly has to happen. Again, where these aren't just hypothetical realities, but where we realize, no, we are really in a battle. And the enemy will focus us on physical realities, on political realities, to keep us distracted from the actual battle that is taking place. Notice that when Jesus is is calling for this deliverance, he's calling for this freedom from the spiritual kingdom of darkness. He's calling for people to, to recognize the real enemy, and who Jesus really is coming to free them from, the time of all of this is now. He's repeating now. How many of you parents have said to your kids, now, right? Over and over, now. And, and he's emphasizing what he clarifies 
that this is the time to act. He says, walk while you have the light so that darkness does not overtake you. Uh, Jesus says that the time, once again, for experiencing deliverance, and this is not just true in this context. This is true always. The way the Spirit of God works, the time for deliverance is always now. And the way the enemy works is to push our focus into the future, to to keep us from actually taking the steps that we need to take. There's a fascinating book by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters, and I love it. And along the lines of this sermon, it's it's really helpful because the idea is that there's a, a demon who is training up another demon. And, and so he's writing these letters for basically how to tempt and destroy humans. And in this correspondence, one of the things that Screwtape says is you've got to distract them. You've got to get them focused on the next thing that is going to happen. And you've got to keep them focused on the future or the past. He says this, and this is from Screwtape. He says, for the present is the point at which time touches eternity. In it alone, freedom and actuality are offered them. For the present is the point at which time touches eternity. In it alone, freedom and actuality are offered them. Right now, right in the present, that's the time when we can actually experience freedom. And if the Spirit of God, if if the light of God shines on you, and reveal something in your life that's destroying you, that's oppressing you, a sin pattern, or something that that is leading you into darkness, and the Spirit of God shines into your heart and shows you that and convicts you of that. Don't wait, right? Don't assume that light will be there in the future, because what happens is when we ignore the conviction of the Spirit of God, our hearts grow calloused. Any of you all have calluses on your hands? You work in some field where you get calluses? That callus is a hardened patch of skin. And that's how the scripture refers to our hearts. It says just like your hands can grow calloused, your hearts can grow calloused. When you ignore the conviction of the spirit, there's a hardening of your heart. And the danger is what Jesus says, so that darkness doesn't overtake you. You can be overtaken by darkness. And if you continue to ignore the conviction to push back the light that the Spirit of God has given you, you can be literally overcome by this darkness that that desires to destroy you. And this is where um, I am so thankful for Tony Jones and Avis Jones and the leadership of Celebrate Recovery. I've said this on a regular basis. Tony's been such a blessing in my life. One of the things that I know is when there's something in my life, I've got to go and connect with Tony and bring that into the light now, right? And, and, and I know if, if you are dealing with something, like CR on Thursday nights is an incredible context to bring that out into the light, to not wait, to not push this off, but to deal with it now. Or, or maybe you just need prayer for something. I'm, I'm happy to talk with any of you. I know our staff is happy to, but, but I just, I beg of us, to hear the words of Jesus, to not wait, but to act now. Secondly, glory calls us to surrender our limitations. Verse 36 says, while you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. Now they, again, are trusting in a 
political leader to change their circumstances. But what Jesus wants is not a change in their circumstances, but a change in their character. Right? That's the real battle. That's what he really wants, is not just a change in their circumstances, but a change of character. Now, I had a situation yesterday where my wife was in my car, and she noticed the indicator light was on on my dashboard. And there is one indicator light that's always on, which is my check engine light. The reason is because I know what the problem is, and I don't want to pay to fix it, and it's not that big of a deal. So, I saw there was another indicator light, but I thought it was because I had recently changed my oil, but I didn't reset the light. And I thought, well, it's telling me to change my oil, but I've already changed it. So, I ignore it. And Jill says, no, don't ignore that. That's your tire pressure light. Now, I had thought that the problem was the light. And I thought, well, I've got to get somebody who can tell me how to turn this light off so it's not annoying me, right? And what Jill says is, no, like, there's a problem that that indicator light is actually telling you about. And you need to check it out. So we went to the tire store where I bought the tires. Guess what? There was a nail in my tire. (laughs) So I've been driving around ignoring this with a nail in my tire. And they're like, yeah, you need to change this or your tire is going to be flat and you're going to be in real trouble. I thought that my problem was the light. But actually my problem was the nail. We get so focused on our circumstances changing. And we're focused on, well, my problem is this. You know, my problem is my spouse or my problem is my boss or my problem is this situation that I'm going through right now, this physical condition or whatever it is. And these circumstances consume us, right? And we all know it. The things that fill our minds and we're so focused, man, if only this was different or if only this would go differently. And yet the focus needs to move off of our circumstances because that's where the enemy would keep us distracted thinking about these circumstances and realize, no, the actual problem is our character, which is underneath all of that. And what Jesus wants, what God wants for you is to actually get the nail out. These indicator lights are there to tell you something, right? There's, there's a problem that you really need to see. And that's what God wants to actually deal with in your life is, is that problem at the core, uh, the core of you, the, the heart of you, the places where darkness is oppressing you and enslaving you. And ultimately, if it continues, will overtake you. And this is where we have to see that the power of God is big enough. The power of Jesus, who is the king of kings, he really is the Lord of lords. There is no power greater than him. He, he does overcome the prince of this world through dying on the cross to pay for our sins and rising from the dead to conquer the powers of Satan, sin, and death. Jesus is in the position of all authority. He says, all authority in Heaven and on earth is given to me. He has all authority, all power. His glory, so to think about the weight, his glory is greater than the glory of anything else. And he really has the power to accomplish anything. There's, there's nothing. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
That's what the scriptures ask us. Let me ask you, is anything too hard for the Lord? It's not, right? Are there things that are too hard for us on our own? Absolutely. And yet there is nothing that is too hard for the Lord. This is the glory of Jesus. And, and here's what we see. He wants us to get the nail out. He wants us to walk in freedom. He says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full, right? That's, that's what he wants. And, and it really is something that he offers to us. How? What John says is when we believe in the light, he makes us children of light. When we believe in the light, he makes us children of light. Through believing, what he does is he rescues us from the kingdom of darkness and he brings us into the kingdom of light. He brings us into a family where God is our father. And we live in this environment as brothers and sisters, right? Children of the father in, as children of the light. Too often as Christians, if we're honest, the real glory in our hearts gets attached to political leaders. It gets attached to some financial opportunity. It gets attached to a new boss, right? Our hope gets attached to things that are really of this world. And that's a problem because when we look around at the world and we see how dark things are, there is not a real place that we can rest our hope, right? There's nothing that can fix the problem. And, and as we think about the darkness that we've seen around us, the, the world is, is a dark place, right? The prince of the power of the air is exerting his authority. There's destruction that we see all around us. And as we, as we look around that, again, the, the, the propensity is to keep things on a tier one level. To think about physical solutions or political solutions or some type of circumstance change. And yet, if we're honest, is there any hope in any of that? There's not, right? The, what's the only thing that can actually overcome the darkness? The light, right? What's the over? Th- so any darkness, no matter how dark it is, and, and when we think about the Covenant Presbyterian School shooting, we think about the, the things that we see in the news, there's such darkness. And we look at it, and, and the, the problem is when we think on a tier one level, we get hopeless. Has anyone ever, have you honestly, like, it's like, man, I just feel hopeless. Has anyone, or will you, like, man, I just feel hopeless. And that's how we feel when we focus on these, these physical solutions. And yet, here's what John 1 tells us. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And that's the truth today. The light of King Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, shines into the darkness. It did over 2,000 years ago, and it does right now through his spirit that's still active and involved in this world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not and cannot and will not ultimately overcome it. And so maybe you're here today, and if you're honest, you know that you don't have hope because you don't have Jesus. You really have not trusted in Jesus. You're trusting in yourself or something to change. And what John would tell you is believe in the light, believe in Jesus, 
so that you may become a child of the light. Believe that Jesus died for your sins to forgive you of all of your sins, that he rose from the dead to give you new and eternal life with God. And trust in him and you will become a child of God. He will bring you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. But maybe you're here and again, you, you just feel this overwhelming sense of, of darkness. And I'm gonna invite my friends, Dustin and Sarah Lawley to come up. And, and, and here's what I just, I just wanna be honest I've got, to, I've got to repent in my own life. And, and this is something God's been showing me lately. That unbelief is a sin. I've not seen that the way that I have lately in the Psalms, through the New Testament. That there is a sin of unbelief. And so I just want to, again, I want to repent publicly and say, I have been guilty of the sin of unbelief in a lot of ways. And God has been convicting me and showing me that. The ways that I have not believed in the real glory of Jesus. That he can do what the scripture says he actually can do. That as our kids saying earlier, he's a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And I, and I just have to be honest. Like I've sung those words that I, man, how, by the way, how awesome did our kids do singing way maker? I love it. I hear them singing those words. And I'm like, man, I've sung those words. And yet I haven't really believed those words in my heart. The glory, the, the real weight of those words has been, it's stopped in my head and it hasn't worked its way into my heart. And that's why I get hopeless. That's why I get discouraged in all of these things. That's the nail, right? The nail of unbelief. <laughs> and so God has challenged me. And I'm so thankful both for the way his light has shined through the scriptures, as well as people who are part of this church family who he's brought into my life to challenge me, people who believe and who really, who really trust. And, and so this is what, man, I wanna, I wanna call us to be a community of belief, to be a community of hope, that we believe, believe that the light that overcame the darkness over 2,000 years ago is powerful enough to overcome the darkness in us and in the world around us today. But Father, we thank you that you did not leave us slaves to the kingdom of Satan and sin and death, but that Jesus, that you came, you lived the sinless life we fail to live. You died the death we deserve to die on the cross and you rose to conquer the enemy that we cannot conquer so that we could live in forgiveness and freedom and fullness of life and joy by your spirit. Would you give us greater faith? Would we believe and really trust in you and your glory? And Lord, as we look around in the darkness, we know you are our only hope. There is no other hope. There is nothing else that can solve these problems, that can overcome the darkness, but you are the light. And so I just, I pray that your spirit would grow faith, would grow belief, would grow trust in us as a church. We know it's contagious. Help us to to encourage one another and challenge one another. Where there's sin in our lives, would we confess it to one another? Bring these into the light so that we could be healed. And that's what we, we desire And so, Father, my my prayer 
again, is that you would give us this hope in Jesus for the first time or for the millionth time. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.